you know, I'm warming to this podcast, Admiral. I'm warming to You're it. You're warming. Yeah. I mean, I was a little confused at the beginning, like I always am, because basically, what are we doing here, really? But now I'm figuring it out slowly. It's, it's, it's unraveling itself. The mysteries of the way your mind works, I'm beginning to understand. Adam, you have a slightly dazed look on your face, which means we must be in Williamsburg or or Brooklyn Where's of Willi- some site. Where's Williamsburg? It, it, it took me, I don't know, hour and a half to get here. Did you, did you take a horse-drawn carriage? No, I took like a taxi cab. Where? Thank God I didn't take the subway. I'd still be wandering in circles. Where are we again? What are we doing here? What are we doing here? What? What? What's the theme of this madness? Well, you know, what are we talking about? I think we're talking about a topic that's near and dear to your heart: the Great Red Sauce Joint, the great tradition of the New York Red Sauce Joint. But the modern interpretation of it... Don't tell me it's been reimagined. I don't know if it's been actively reimagined, but I think you've been to some restaurants and you've probably noticed that there is a certain similar aesthetic to a lot of the Italian restaurants that aren't really Italian restaurants. They're kind of Italian-American. They have a lot of the same things. They have, you know, menus full of kind of spartan very farm to table pastas there's well, a wood burning oven somewhere well, there, there's also there are some pizzas well, and it does sort of seem like there are some similar approaches that there is a nod to italy to the old country but with some very modern very new york very american touches you are sounding like a food scholar to me my friend well i don't know what has gotten that? into you have you not noticed that well first of all new york city is is an italian restaurant town like it's not a French restaurant town. It's not. A, it's, it's an Italian restaurant town, and I. It's, it's, since I've been doing this job, like there's a there's been a style of Italian food. You have you have the ancient. I, you can probably look at it in terms of uh, you know different geological eras, right? There's the original ancient Pleistocene era, which was the original red sauce Italian places, which were laid down. Um, you know, in the old neighborhoods by the old red sauce uh, mamas and papas from Sicily and southern Italy, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Many of those places still actually survive today in pockets. You know, like like dinosaurs living in uh, uh, you know, uh, sort of in, in their little sort of ecosystems. You they have, are frozen in time. The, you ha- you the have ones the, that are both you the have, best and the worst. Right. You have famous ones like. Um, I don't know, John's in the East Village. You have Jean's near where I live on 11th Street. Uh, you have a bunch of them uptown. So you have those restaurants. And then you have the most recent incarnation, which I've called probably too many times in writing, is sort of the um, nouveau rustico Italian style, the rustic Italian style, popularized by an original Red Sauce genius, Mario Batali. I was the sort there. of trotteria mentality. Trotteria, yeah. uh, rustic pork chops, uh, if, batali, if they're real batali acolytes, uh, gizzards and offal and, you know, goat's brain pastas and things like that. And really beautifully done pastas. I mean, we, you know, we've been in the midst of this great pasta age with guys like Batali and Michael White, who's a great, great pasta chef. Um, 
So you had those have spread like wildfire, and and uh, if you're going to talk about pizza and wood fired, I mean, you're not going to see a, an Italian restaurant opening around town that didn't have its own classic wood fired oven. And many of these are getting more and more sophisticated. Danny Myers opened a place like that called Marta, where he turns out these beautiful crisp Roman style pizzas in these blasting state of the art wood ovens. But I guess it seems to me. The ancient red sauce traditions are being more and more revived by a new generation of chefs. It seems like there is a sort of uh, uh, an idea to look a little backwards. I mean, Carbone is obviously the strongest example because it's almost like the I forgot, Epcot Center I forgot version. It's Carbone. like the Epcot Center I forgot, version of a red sauce I joint. forgot Carbone, but you know why I forgot Carbone? Because those guys threw me out of their restaurant. They did Not, not that restaurant. Well, I don't care. I forgot Carbone, but Carbone would be the epitome. Carbone is, you can tell everybody what Carbone is. Carbone is this endlessly hyped, very fancy yeah, red knows, sauce. Everyone knows re, you know, a, a, a celebration. But it's very theatrical. Right, a, cele- a theatrical celebration of the great red sauce values the, of New the, York. The servers all have these over-the-top Italian-American Bronx accents. Uh, They're probably all from... You know, South Carolina originally actors waiting to be on Broadway. I think are. they were recruited from the old restaurants that that died. But you know, they they wear bow ties and you know. I liked. I, I will say I liked it a lot more than I think that you probably did. I've I've enjoyed my experiences there. Well, but it's because you're an internet outrageously guy. Outrageously expensive. Internet, internet loves all that stuff. It's the latest. It's the greatest. It's the coolest. It's but just, anyway, there was that. That was the first place. Yep. That sort of really. Yep. Emphatically emphasized a lot of the tenets of that. And now, and those two chefs, whose names slipped my mind because they kicked Mario me out of the restaurant, and Rich Teresi. Yeah, they made their reputation um, opening a really a, a, a an old mom and pop neighborhood Italian style deli. Yeah, in, in, in the, Little in, Italy, in Little Italy, producing the best parm sandwiches, the best sausage sandwiches, the best the best old style Italian New York immigrant food that you've ever tasted. Right. But in a very, in, in also in, in very in a very modern way with good technique, wonderful ingredients, etc., etc., etc. And now it seems though like it's all been blended up the newer places with all of the farm-to-table locavori stuff, and you're getting this sort of pan-Italian Brooklyn pan, style of restaurant. Pan, pan, hasn't it? You look at. Let me, let me ask you this, Admiral. Hasn't it all gotten a little out of hand? You think everything has gotten. Everything's out of hand. Out of hand. It's all out of hand. Perhaps you need anyway, to expand the where hand. Are we, where are we again? So, so anyway, where are we? We're nothing if not cutting edge. We are here at Barano, a new restaurant in Williamsburg. It opened, I think, one month ago as of the time that we're recording this. Uh, it is a chef who made his name at Ruberosa, another sort of modern Little one, Italy. Wonderful, wonderful nouveau red sauce place in Little Italy. Fantastic. Wonderful pizzas, meatballs. So this spaghetti. is his place in Williamsburg. You know, we're going to talk to him about why so many people open Italian restaurants in the city. Do we really need more? And well, hopefully how, we're going to eat some you, good food. How do you think he's going to answer that question? I guess we're going to say, out. of course you need more. Do you I, think it, we need more? Yeah, I guess in restaurants are all, more restaurants are better. But the, so that's what we're going to do. Thing. We're going to stir the, the, the pot. Thing. Here's the thing. In New York City, uh, the 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 Restaurant environment is is ever more competitive and expensive and brutal, and when that's the case, the people who open, open restaurants will fall back on the formulas that have worked. Hence, hence the steakhouse, hence the burger joint, hence 
the endless reiteration of Italian red sauce joints. Well, we'll see if he agrees. We are joined now by the chef, owner of Barano, Al Dinelio. Welcome. Thank you so much. Welcome, Al. Again, that's a wonderful red sauce name. (laughs) Uh, Congratulations. The restaurant is a month old. Yes. So here's the first question. You were looking around at the restaurant landscape, presumably thinking about doing your own thing, and you thought, here's what New York needs, another Italian restaurant. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Well... Basically, Italian's been in my blood, obviously, since I've been born. Uh, my grandmother kind of gave me the inspiration to be a chef. Where'd you grow up? I grew up in Staten Island. There you go. Can't yeah. get any more red sauce than that, can you, Admiral? No, I don't you, think so. No, you can't. And certainly red saucier than Grand Rapids, Michigan. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I mean, my grandmother got me into loving food, and one of her biggest things was rabbit. Rabbit was her biggest thing. Rabbit. Yeah. Where'd she get a rabbit? Um, her and my dad would go that. I think it was probably, now this is going way back, go, so... Go hunting. Yeah, much well... Like, much like the Emeralds, though, <laughs> in their coonskin cap. Yeah, I think Out so. in the forests of Michigan. Um, I think they went hunting down in uh, Brooklyn to a halal shop, because they used to come back, and it used to be in a package, and the rabbit still used to be warm. But um, that, that was one of my fondest memories. Actually, growing up, I always had a rabbit for a pet, and every Easter I ran away. And then on Easter, we'd have this amazing chicken dish. Until I was 12, and then I found out my rabbit wasn't running away. Oh my God, that's brutal. <laughs> that was your, it was your perfect red sauce Italian grandma or your Nona. Right. Now, she, yeah, she was definitely that's my Nona. In the great mythology of the red sauce, there's always a Nona. Did she, like many Nonas, not even have a refrigerator? Did she go to the market and she buy would. the day's produce and make the stuff and then... Yeah, she would go shopping every day. I've heard and, tell of those yeah, kinds of Until she was about 91. She would cru- We have this crazy street in Staten Island, Highland Boulevard, and it's like one of the busiest streets. And she would cross it, and by 91, she says, I'm done. You go shopping for me. <laughs> so, yeah. But yeah, she would go every day. So, was you were- she from Italy? Yes, yeah, she was from Barano, which oh, is the name of the restaurant. There you go. Right. In the south? South. Correct. South, yep. Near Naples? Correct. Correct. You were yeah. just in Naples. You know, I was just in Naples. Did I mention that? I went to pizza school. Uh, I learned to cook really bad pizza, but the pizza there is delicious. What I learned in Naples, so we can stop talking, I can stop talking a lot. These simple recipes, the ones that we take for granted, mm-hmm. are much more complicated than they seem and require actually both knowledge and this sort of feel for the, the, the food that we, you know, guys like you and I don't really grow up with. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, I agree with you 100%. I think it's probably more difficult sometimes because the lack of ingredients there are probably three or four ingredients in there and that's it so you better buy the best meat you better buy the best tomatoes you better buy the best mozzarella because if one thing is off it's horrible but you are classically trained yes i mean you are from le cirque you were at some non-italian restaurants like, like there all for the, a gen- while. the generation yeah. these, these all these guys are like <laughs> unlike nona <laughs> they're trained with an inch of their lives oh yeah i think Getting into it, I thought it was going to be Pierre Garnier or Bocuse or something. Then I realized, maybe not. Maybe I wanted to have a little bit more fun and um, go back to my roots. And, you know, I mean, everybody wants to create something new, but what happens? Everybody goes back to what they know and they love, and they get familiar with what they love, and it's safe, and it's memories. 
I mean, I, I, it's a joke, but I go back all the time to uh, Ratatouille and that, that show where the critic takes his first bite of Ratatouille and he's skipping through the garden and he's, all these memories are coming back. That's what food's about. Anton Ego, that's me, you realize. <laughs> realize. I mean, I'm like that. <laughs> Except I weigh about 800 pounds. Let's talk about Ruby Rosa, though. Ruby Rosa? Yeah, yeah. Were you Let's a founder of Ruby Rosa? Yeah. So did you, you opened it yourself? Yeah, with AJ and his Ru- father. Ruby Rosa is a wonderful restaurant. It's delicious pizzas, mm-hmm. spaghetti meatballs, um, wonderful ragouts. I think that was basically everything we had growing up as kids. I mean, when, when we were doing it, it was like me and AJ go back. He's like, I used to have it like this, or I used to have it like that. AJ is your partner. AJ was my partner, you grew one up of the owners. Yep. I, I've known AJ way back. He actually worked with me at Osterio Churco for a little bit, too, and that's where we really became friends mm-hmm. and um, just turned into one day, we're like, hey, you want to do a restaurant together? I was like, mm-hmm. sure, why not? And mm-hmm. we created Ruby Rosa. You know Ruby Rosa, you know what Ruby Rosa is, right? You know what that is? What is it? What is it? Ruby Rosa is a... Poor, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, well a, it's, a, it's a pepper mill. It's a giant pepper mill that used to be... Oh, you mean be, the name? Yeah. Oh. It's a, well, you know. It's a giant pepper mill that was, well, it was it's, named it's, it's after one of the Ruby totems, Rosa. One of the totems of this kind of red sauce experience. Right. And you, the waiter would come and wave it at you, and it was named after a famous opera singer. Porfirio Ruby Rosa. Venezuelan. Something like that. Uh, Dominican. Dominican. Anyway, who... Um, Playboy. Yeah. Playboy <laughs> had a pepper mill of his own. Rather large one. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I dated You, you don't know that story? All right, let's move on. Anyway, yeah. let's go. Let's move on. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, that, that was like, you know, my dad's lasagna, AJ's mom's brajol, um, and her cheesecake. And it was just like a, a collaboration of a lot of memories that we had growing up and we kind of put it all together in one restaurant and it worked so this restaurant is now going further back to the homeland or is this more this is back to i think this is going back way back to my grandmother's roots and trying to remember what she did and what she ate growing up and the stories she told me and some of the dishes she used to make um while kind of giving a little bit of nod to like southern italy and things people may have forgotten or misconstrued as uh, southern Italian food um, and still having fun with it you know I, I, I don't like to take myself too seriously I get in the kitchen I want to have fun I want to do a good job and I want to have fun doing it and I hope my food represents that do you frequent the classic old restaurants joints in, in the city because I just went to um, John's in, on the, in the East Village I've never had a worse meal really I mean, I've had worse meals, but that was a, it was not a good meal. It's true that even some of the places that people really hold up in high regard as sort of the last places carrying the torch uh, maybe specialize in subpar meals on occasion. On occasion. I mean, this, I mean the place is a, it's a great feel there, but the, 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 the ragu tastes of the tomato cans. Uh, the, the peppers are Can. not known as peppers. <laughs> <laughs> they come out of a, a bottle or a can, and they're scattered with the kind of pignoli nuts that you buy randomly at not even Whole Foods at Gristidi's. Anyway, I could go on. I'm a no. critic, because that's what critics do. I'm just saying that the, 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 the traditions over time have grown a little tired, so it's actually good to see that you know, there's a new gen- more generation which is like right. reviving it. I did. I did. Well, I forgot who I was talking to, but I, I was mentioning about how this kind of cuisine and the simple and everything is like one of the cuisines that 
may start getting forgotten if there's not enough people saying, listen, meatballs, okay, they're just meatballs, but they can be really good and they can be really satisfying. They can be really done well. And it's kind of like, it's my memories and there's not a lot of people cooking anymore. Like, there's a lot of people that came in and I never had a meatball. I'm like, really? Are we going to have meatballs? You're going to have meatballs. What's the key to a great meatball? Key to it is great meat and a good bread balance. It's a secret. I can't tell Seems you. Seems like it's more about feel than, than pure math, well, right? You think Nona's well, measuring wait. out, weighing it on a gram scale? Well, I don't think Nona did that. Well, it. no. Nona definitely didn't do that. And Nona definitely didn't, like, was a good teacher. It wasn't a good teacher as far as this is how much you had to do it. So finally what I did is, through my years, just watched her, studied her. And then I took out my gram scale and told you now, <laughs> for every nine kilos right. of meat, there's 1,200 what grams. Kind of, what kind of meat do you use? Uh, right now, I actually changed my norm, and I'm using um, dry-aged beef. I just oh, threw man. a curveball in it. Yeah. Man. I was Uh-oh. Pork. Yeah. That's new age. That's new age. Dry this is beef. what we're talking about. Dry-aged beef. We can do, what, eight, eight podcasts on dry-aged beef. <laughs> well, I mean, that speaks to the it's fact a that trend. It's a restaurants trend. have gotten, probably, I mean, the food has certainly gotten a lot more sophisticated. The ingredients have gotten better. The cooking's gotten a little more technical. Mm-hmm. And so now you're seeing this resurgence of old classic, like even this... There is some beautiful mozzarella being set down right in front of us that Holy looks fluffy and moly. gorgeous and warm. This is not and this is not your red sauce classic. <laughs> this is not really even known as red sauce. <laughs> so we have some beautiful um, focaccio, right? Yeah. Which looks like it's whole grain. It's been milled by hand by a thousand elves and you yep. know, on a rock and eat <laughs> Two kinds of dipping sauce and one, two, three kinds of either ricotta or butter or uh, mozzarella. Yeah. <laughs> people don't say, actually, except in gangster movies. Anyway, it looks, looks and wonderful. And one of them, can you explain what just happened on this one right here, Adam? Yeah, it came with a smoke tower. Uh, upside so down glass chalice smoke. just got lifted off of it. And actually, and that's one of the, the, the dining... Uh, Affectations, which I have actually attacked in the past. <laughs> it didn't happen. It didn't happen. Take it away. Take it away. It's okay. It's very theatrical, and you know, it, it actually makes it. It really adds the smoke to uh, to whatever's under that. It looks awesome. And what's Teddy sprinkled bears. on top, Chef? It's actually uh, vegetable ash and sea salt, I just to know the differentiation. Yeah. Okay. No, so, Nona didn't have vegetable ash. Nona's not probably not dealing with vegetable ash. Uh, this looks so awesome. How do we eat, eat this uh, with the with the? Uh, yeah, you eat it with you? the bread. I mentioned eat that I'm on a diet. If I mentioned that to anybody, not today. I'm on a diet. Not today. So this I will be. Day. I will be tasting cheat. what we call a cheat day. Cheat day. Don't go all Brooklyn on me. So this curd is Belgioso. I just found that it works perfectly for the station. House made. But I pull it in house. Correct. Jiminy cricket. Yeah. So all the mozzarella we do here by hand, and we house make them. And obviously the prosciutto, I don't make them in-house, but I source from what I've found I liked. We, For the record, we've now just been presented with a giant groaning board. Of, that is uh, half, a, half a pig's worth of charcuterie. Cured charcuterie, all of which Some is meat. cut right. ribbony thin, in which I'm going to stuff in my craw right now. <laughs> That's from Zuarina from Parma. I found it's a little company. I, I deal with an old school Italian dude and he's like oh I have this awesome prosciutto he brought it in I, I just mm. fell in love with it mm. and the mortadella is smoking goose out in Indianapolis smoking um, goose. they actually grow their pigs 
and make their salumi with it. And I just found it. Yeah, like a sweet texture. texture. Is it, I, I'm excited. I'm, I'm, right now I'm focused on this smoked mozzarella. <laughs> that is absolutely unreal. And tell me about the, the stracciatella next to it, or I guess next to the other, whatever, the stracciatella, <laughs> which Oops. almost looks like it's been whipped together with some sort of beautiful cream. Yeah, so we, I take a little bit of Ronnie Brook cream, reduce it down, add a little sea salt to it, and then we just, as we make a mozzarella, we pull it. So we pull the mozzarella, and we add it back to the cream just to give so it a little like, flavor. So it's like Inside double mozzarella. Double mozzarella. Or uh, uncased burrata. <laughs> shit, can I say that? Holy shit. This is awesome. This is classic Italian goodness. They're beautiful. Refined Italian goodness. And something just got poured. So that is Pertamale Sassetti Prosecco from uh, Valvedone yeah. in the Veneto. It is uh, Method Classico. It is done with no added sugars, it is indigenous yeast, and it's 100% Glera, the base varietal for Prosecco. Indigenous yeast, you're not getting this at John's, my friend. Can I try the, the mortadella? This is from Indianapolis, you said? Yeah. Smoking S goose? Smoking goose, yeah. I found a, a local company around here, uh, Food Matters again, and they, they introduced me to that. Totally different color than what you see, too. I mean, it's like oh, much yeah. paler, much more mm -hmm. beige. Are there, there aren't pistachios in it? There, there is. Yeah, no, there there's, are. Yeah, it's ch there's chopped up pistachio in there. It's, it, it, it like it's not the huge hunks. It tastes like some form of, you know, um, lunch meat pastry. A lot of spice. Mm -hmm. Ooh, Good black pepper in there. Um, that's beautiful. Yeah. I mean, this was my bologna growing up. I'd go to school mm -hmm. and I'd have a mortadella sandwich and the guy next to me would have Oscar Mayer bologna and be like, what are you eating? And I'm like, what are you eating? I mean, what do you think it is like chefs like you who have all this training, who have worked in, you know, super technologically advanced kitchens over the years, this sort of desire to return? Because you are seeing a lot of the wood fire. You're seeing a lot of this sort of stripping down and I guess right. stripping away of that technique. Like, what is that? What's the appeal? Why do you... Why do so many people feel compelled to do that right now, do you think? Um, I, I think it's like we're finally realizing, and I'm, I don't know if I'm going to be upsetting to other chefs, but I think we're finally realizing that if you own a business and you're a restaurateur, you want to serve people. So you want to give what people want. And sometimes people just want good food, mm -hmm. and they don't want something that they sit down, they open the menu, they start scratching their head and not understanding what anything is, and have, have to have a huge dictation on where this is from and what this is. That all should be done, right? You sourcing, that's normal. Preparing something amazing should be normal, but the food should be what you know. And I have fun. I still have fun. I still get strange things. But a majority of the menu, I promised myself, would be something where people recognize, would want to come back. I want to be a local spot, and I want to take care of my neighborhood that I'm in. Yeah, people so. want comfort, and they want simplicity. But Correct. they want it done in a... In a I wouldn't say sophisticated, but they want it done in a highly uh, professional way. Well, but there is a way to elevate without it being about, you know, the chef's technique and the chef's approach and look what I can do. I mean, just it, as simple as like getting the superior mortadella from the Midwest that right. most people have never heard of and don't know even exists. And exactly. That you order this, you kind of know what it is and it arrives and it's just a lot better than you were expecting. Well, here come the meatballs and they look pretty big. They, in fact, look grapefruit-sized, batten down the hatches, Admiral. I'm ready. Here they come. It's a little afternoon meatball porn. <laughs> Just what the doctor ordered. All right, what do we have here? All right, so that's the dry-aged beef meatballs. <laughs> <laughs> 
Or I'm gonna, I'm gonna have one. I don't know what you guys do. It. You guys continue yabbering. Dig in two kinds of cheese on it. Beautiful yeah. ragu on it. Two kinds of cheese. Yep. So I have a whipped, uh, whipped ricotta on it, as well as I finish with uh, Parmesan Reggiano. Now it seems a little. Uh, I haven't tasted it yet. I'm gonna let it cool down. It's a little less pliable than the average meatball. Mm -hmm. It's not. There's not a lot of bread in it relative to what you usually often get, which makes right. for a soft meatball. Correct. And is it a, it's all, it's, like you said, it's all beef. It's not a mi no. mixture of pork or... No, no, no. Growing up, that's what no it was. Meal. Yeah, if my grandma was still around, I'd definitely bring her on to the, the dry age. I think it just gives it a great flavor. To be honest with you, we were talking about the menu. It was the first time I we went to Peter Luger's, and we just had a hamburger because we Which wanted it. kind of around the corner from here. Yep, right the around the corner. first time you Yeah, went. it's pretty sad. I know. I know. <laughs> That's what you get for being a chef working in the kitchen. Not that Anton Ego is a big fan of that place, but still. I, I mean, it's an institution. Yeah. yeah. It was very good. Um, the hamburger was killer. Mm -hmm. And I bit into it. I'm like, how come nobody made a meatball with dry-aged beef? Well, maybe they have. Maybe I just don't know. I but, don't think they have. And yeah. I, I don't know if they've made one like this. Yeah, um, a little well, bit they're different. gone, also for the record. What's <laughs> the... Um, so, so talk to us about what's next. All right, so the, the next uh, monster eggplant that you have in front of you is like growing up again, eggplant palm, big thing. Uh, everybody loved to do it in my house. I just wanted something that was a little bit more about eggplant and a little less about the breading. So I kind of came up with this. So it's basically half an eggplant, breaded, seared, and then wood-fired oven. Right. So this, is a, this really is what you're talking about. This is what actually we're talking about. But mostly you were talking about... I'm talking about these meatballs now. Okay, you're just leaving me a meatball. I've moved on because I've broken my diet officially and I'm eating now this food like an unleashed swine. Anyway, your classic eggplant, Parmesan, mm -hmm. and there's Parmesan on this, is what you were saying. It's right. la layered and breadcrumbs and drowned in this red sauce. There's no red sauce here, really. And you, what you're, what you're, what you're, I'm looking right, right at. It. Okay, okay, okay. Whatever. But it, what you're highlighting is the eggplant itself, right? Which is the last thing that used to be highlighted. It was Correct. really all about the texture, and it was a, right. probably because it was cheap, right? Yeah. So here, this is really a boutique eggplant parmesan. Well, let's flip the ratios a little bit, let's right? Let's flip the ratio. Mostly vegetable, <clears throat> amplified with a little bread, a little sauce, a little cheese. Let's give it a shot. Let's have a taste. Seems like a very modern approach to a red sauce classic, if you ask me. Not too shabby. Yeah, you, you can taste that eggplant, and that 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 was my goal. I really wanted somebody to come yeah. and enjoy the eggplant. I mean, it took me a while to find the right eggplant. Yep. Um, because you know, I tried Italian, it was too tough. Then I tried the you know whatever Japanese, and it was too small. And then I was like, this is like a fairy tale one that I found, or graffiti, nice, whatever. Nice the, big one. Yeah. Delicious. Local. Yeah. Um, no, unfortunately, it's not. <laughs> I, I strike that part. No, yeah. <laughs> Mortadella wasn't local either. No, but I, I mean, for me, local is a good thing, but it's also first find what's, what is the best. Then if you can get it local, then, then get it local. Just, I, I'm not trying to knock the whole local bore thing, but I'm just, for me, it's all about taste, quality, and then if you can get it locally. Because you get a lot of things locally, and not a lot of things are good locally, unfortunately. But sometimes you support a local farmer by buying something that they're outsourcing because the money that you give to them buys the seeds for them to get back what they really right. do something good. So it's another way of looking at it. Well, that was really delicious. 
Keep those calories coming, right? That's right. I'm sucking it's them up a, it's like, a cheat a blue, day. like a blue whale. <laughs> oh, the wine's coming. Uh, I haven't even started drinking yet. This is Donas. It is a red wine from Valdiosta in northern Italy. It's a blend of Nebbiola, Fresa, and Neret. Uh, all three varietals originally mm. come from Piedmont, which is just south of Valdiosta, but they migrated up north uh, where it's very mountainous, very steep slopes, so there's only communal growth up there. Machinery does not work. So these are, uh, yeah, it's wonderful. Your kind of place, Errol. <laughs> Love it. So um, it's all family run, village run. Uh, it's the same families that have been doing it for a very long time, multiple generations. And you find a lot of the varietals that disappear from the more well-known regions, such as Neret from Piedmont, which used to be around there in medieval times. And now it's not really seen as much, while Nebbiolo and Fresa are seen. It's delicious. I, I have this thing about wine. Like, uh. Italian wines are like... They're so popular that at least in this city, they tend to be overpriced and too young, mm-hmm. frankly. And it, it, so you, you're, you're paying all this money for this wine that's really not ready to be drunk and you know whatever. But this this wine has that Italian characteristic sharpness, thank you, a little bite to it. But it also has depth and sort of you, you you can taste these flavors of some place. You don't know what the place might be, but they're there. It's a place uh, in Piedmont where the machinery doesn't work. <laughs> you could taste the journey. It's what the French might call a terroir. You think there's a word for, for this phenomenon you're trying to explain? I don't go fancy pants on me. That's hard, though. I mean, the wines, like Italian wines, especially old ones, you I'm have de- to... Well, I'll tell you about the Italian wines, I don't... There's not a lot of terroir. I mean, there is. But there right. is, there are, not, not compared to the French. Not compared, you, know, you don't... Well, a lot of them, I mean, they only get good when they're really old right and yeah, so it's like as an owner as an owner you gotta you gotta sell them you gotta put them somewhere sell them. for 20 years in order to open that's not gonna work they're attacking the pizza oven right now there it is you can see your pizza slaves back there yeah you know i i'm a master pizza maker you know that right? I, I, did, that? I did know that i mentioned i went to naples and i learned how to make pizza yeah, I've never eaten you, one of yours. I'll tell you, no, because I only cooked two, and they were so bad that they had to be thrown away. Can you can you build a brick oven? Uh, no, I didn't do that on either. Fifth Avenue. I didn't do that either. <laughs> the key to pizza, there's a lot of keys, but uh, you need a really hot oven, and actually, baking, working that oven is easier, is harder. Sorry, than it seems, my friend, because you have to you have to keep while it's cooking. Like mm-hmm. if that thing is as hot as they are, it's that thing's really hot. And so, you, but you to get it to evenly cook, you have to spin it around with your paddle while you are. And it's still you only have like a minute and a half, two minutes, and right. then you, you, you get burned on both sides, and you throw it away, and people scream at you. Okay, let the record it, show. I love that you're explaining this to the guy who ran one uh, of the most successful pizza restaurants no, in Manhattan, and no, now has just opened no, another one. I'm explaining it to you, <laughs> Mr. Brooklyn. I don't need to know how to make pizza. I have an apartment in New York City. I can't make pizza. That's why I'm explaining it to you. Grandma pies. It's all good. Hey guys, I'm looking for a pizza guy right now. So if anybody just call me Nona, there he is. Just call me Nona. Call me Nona. He went to Naples, (laughs) trained in old Napoli. Can we call me Nona? I'm Nona. I'll call you No No. No No. No No. That is a good name for you. No No. Salute. (laughs) Salute. Do you have a favorite New York slice joint? Staten Island's famous old old fashioned. I mean, growing up, there's two. One I used to go to a lot, Joan Pat's. I mean, obviously, right? And uh, the other one is Danino's. 
Both Bo- in Staten Island. Both, both in Staten Island. Joan Pat's still there. Joan right? Pat's is still there. It's it's a, it is a, it is a uh, oh boy. Here's the pizza. <laughs> a Joan Pat's is one of those uh, uh, shrines that the, the pizza saloons uh, oh. dutifully visit and taste and have you know sigh and pass out with joy. And, All right. You know, so whatever. this looks. So yeah. Very beautiful. All right, so people either love me or hate me for doing this. Uh-oh. For doing what? So I'm not sure what Adam is saying, but I did put scissors on it. Scissored at table side. Oh, for serving it, not sliced. Not sliced. There's a reason behind it more than just because I want to be a crude chef and cruel. <laughs> um, I, I actually made this board, so it kind of keeps the pie above the board. What All happens right. with any kind of pizza kind of gets crisp. Um, the crisp gets lost. Steam pushes down. And as much as you can keep a pie whole, holds a crisp, too. Really? So, I mean, I guess people can hate me for it, but I kind of... But you have shears. I do have shears. They cut pretty well. Pizza shears. You know what? That's really the end. That's it. Pizza shears. Pizza scissors. Like you're shearing a. a, a what else a, are you gonna customers sheet. who've been drinking for two hours? And these are pretty monstrous. These pizza shears. Al scissor hands. Okay. All right, I'm going okay. in. I'm going in for some pizza. And this is my clam pie. So again, going back to the Italian American red sauce. Uh, joint kind of thing. I didn't want to put a clam oregonato on my menu, but why not a clam pizza oregonato? A classic Northeast yeah. Italian American staple, right? Yeah. It looks unbelievable. So, so shell on. Well, how, you, gotta, oh, you gotta leave the shell on the clam, right? So yeah, I, I, I leave the shell on. I also give you a couple shell off because <laughs> you need more clams than five clams on a pie. And um, and then basically what I do is I just make a clam bechamel on the pie. Jeez. <laughs> clam bechamel, my God. Bechamel. What? We'll keep it Italian. And they even uh, with this clam pie, let the record show that it is served with a little bowl for your discarded clam shells. That's right. You don't throw them over your shoulder here. <laughs> Anton Ego has never seen that before. That right. is awesome. The cool. sausage. This is, is also a yeah. very. It's a very. You know, it's a Neapolitan-sized pie. It's pretty right. classic, right? It's. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's with all sorts of new, uh, new, new, new American artisanal touches. If Grandma had uh, fine dining training, she'd make a pie like this. Grandma, <laughs> grandma would approve, but she'd be slightly confused. Yeah. She'd be like, why do you work so hard for that? Well, you just put a little of this on there. And, okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> it tastes like a pizza, but it also tastes like more than a pizza. Very astute commentary. <laughs> all right. So this wow. has... There's a lot of garlic. Yeah, so there's roasted garlic, garlic, the mozzarella, the clam bechamel. You can see all the bechamel. That's yeah. like a yeah. close, close between a white, classic New Haven white clam and then a stuffed clam. Correct. you got a lot of stuffed clam going on there. Yeah. you got breadcrumbs scattered all, all over the place. That's kind of what I wanted to do. I just, I don't know, I've been making baked clams for a long time. It I just want this suck. a little different. It doesn't yeah. suck as Mr. It doesn't suck. So what are you, you're taking the clam juice and you're <laughs> mixing it into like a cream or something for the bechamel? Or yeah. Like okay. So it's like uh, a half cream, half clam stock into a roux. So it's a velouté bechamelish kind of thing. It really, it's a, that is a, a clam pie for the new generation. It's got bechamel on it. I mean, come on, Adam. When's the last time you saw bechamel on a clam pie? Even in your wildest, most fevered, most foodie, most gourmet, addled Brooklyn dreams. When's the last time you saw that? I think we're seeing it. Sometimes it's good to be first, and sometimes <laughs> it's not. <laughs> I, oh, this is a fresh plate, isn't it? 
Yeah. That would indicate one more. That would indicate more stuff. I mean, I, I got a bad feeling about this. How's the diet going? I don't know. I'm getting a little pain in my shoulder from the richest indigestion. The diet's all going to crap, basically. Oh my God! It's pasta now. It's pasta. Just what you need red to wash sauce. down a little it's pizza. Re- it's red sauce, which looks like it's been folded with some crab or something nuts or some. It's my runaway rabbit. Oh, the rabbit! <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> Jesus. He's been raising him in the basement. Yeah, it's wow. Steve. But um, so is that really is the, so it's what's a rabbit the name? Pasta. It's what is the name of this on the? On so the... this is uh, Bucatini Ali Shitana. So it's basically um, braised rabbit. So we braise it a little bit of oregano, um, white wine, and everything's cooked down. Obviously, southern Italy, touch of tomato, yeah. and then I finish it with cacciacavallo and fresh oregano. Wow! Oh. Wow! So I mean, this kind of represents my grandmother. Yep. If there's one pasta, I would say. This is it. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what she would serve. She wouldn't Straight do it. Up. Yeah, she would, would make, she do it in a red sauce like that? Yeah, she would do the, the rabbit and yep. we eat it. Whatever's not left the next day it's pasta. Oh. So the bucatine, a lot of egg you make it all in house, right? Yeah. Very yellow. Mm-hmm. Lots of you use some kind of fancy egg in yeah. it or yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, I mean the flour I, I was trying to do local thing, but I just this is more I went with um, imported Durham flour. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a mix of Durham and double zero, a good a healthy amount of eggs, and um, a little bit of salt. And that's it. That's it. Yeah, I keep I keep the pasta simple. How long do you braise the rabbit for? It's about an hour and a half. Mm. Yeah, braise about an hour and a half, it's maybe an hour. Hard. Depends. It's good. There's um, a little saddle in there. It's really soft. You get all the flavor and then that oregano through it too. It's yeah, like, the oregano it's really comes cuts through. through it. So I do a mix of two oreganos. I fell in love with uh, Sicilian oregano on the branch, which I love, and all the cooks hate to take it off the branch because it is tedious. Um, and then I finish with fresh oregano just to give it that fresh pop mm. at the end, but that, that's pretty much it. So, again, she, she wasn't a complicated cook, but she was a good cook. I do miss her food. Little onions, little garlic, and something goes a long way. How much, I mean, how much are you trying to recreate? Because it's like, for people who didn't grow up with it, it's like there's still this idea of what the food should taste like, and it's almost like you're trying to nail this, like, this idealized version that didn't really exist right. previously, right? Right, right. So, I mean, if, if my grandmother would cook this dish, it'd be a lot oilier. It would be a lot, like, chunkier. Um, but it'd still be delicious. But then again, if somebody walked in and saw it, they're like, why is my pasta so oily and why is it so chunky? So I'm just refining the flavor. So I say, my hand, like, what I'm trying to do is my grandma's cooking through the hands of a professional. That, that's not that she wasn't professional. So <laughs> not, not, yeah, <laughs> she's looking down. But, yeah, I just wanted to polish it up a little bit. It's awesome. Give the flavors. It's awesome. Listen to the aroma. That's the extent of my analysis on that one. Twelve million stars. Jesus, now what? Now what? So this is uh, Unfined Unfiltered Sustainable Alianico from Rapinia in northern Campania by Il Canciere. Uh, these guys produce all Unfined Unfiltered natural fermentation wines and they wanted to do an Rapinian style because Rapinia is where Tarassi is from. But generally, it tends to be too expensive for people to truly experience that classic style. So they wanted an introductory level of wine that drank like a Tarasi without the DOCG classification. But so I like this with the wine, too, because it's like, it is all that, you know, it has kind of nods to the natural biodynamic movement without being that, like, super young, super fresh, really kind of, like, overly funky. I mean, it doesn't drink as, like, immediately biodynamic. You know, this is right down. 
somebody's alley. And that somebody would be Mr. Brooklyn right here. <laughs> Mr. Brooklyn is having palpitations of joy. This is a good restaurant. I'm, I, I will be coming back. Are you going to wear your disguise? I don't think it's going to work. <laughs> Mine's going to My work. wig? Mine's going to work. Pretend I'm a school I'm teacher here, from Michigan? I'm coming here as Soberosa. So, yeah? Yep. All right, so. Oh, for Christ's sake. This looks like pork to me, my friend. This is oh. this is lamb. Ooh. So growing up, my grandmother used to make like um, escarole with uh, raisins and pine nuts. So what I did here is I made a, a breading. Didn't use that. Used watercress, raisins, and pine nuts, and with some bread, and that covers the top. And then the the leg is slow roasted over the spit. So and then after that, a little breadcrumb popped back in the oven with the carrots. So basically, everything on this dish is coming out of a wood fired oven. So it's a beautiful so, looking thing. It's like. So it's the complete lamb, lamb leg, totally deboned and spit roasted. And stuffed and balanced on top. or oh, uh, Some baby carrots. So baby carrots, so there's a beautiful glaze on the plate mm-hmm. and uh, a little thatch of... Uh, baby carrots. Carrot tops. Carrot tops on the top. So it's really, um, it's like nothing I've ever seen at a red sauce restaurant. This is the, this is the new coming into play here. Eat the lamb. I'm, oh, I'm, me? Yeah. I'm on a diet, but I will. Get to it. It's diet lamb. He was on a diet before he was slaughtered. This is di- <laughs> It's carrots. It's good for you. Poor guy. So what's this called on the menu? Beautiful lamb. Like really good. Just roasted lamb leg. That's it? Yeah. You do the, the very modern underselling, and then it just yeah. comes out, and it's like, oh, yeah. I, just a simple thing that took 10 people three days to cook. Right. I, I just, yeah, I don't want to overplay my hand. I'd rather just, it's lamb leg. If you like lamb leg, you might like this. <laughs> you might. This is awesome. Sorry, I just kept eating. <laughs> That's a good sign. Where's that cannoli? It's on the way. Uh, it's a little nerve-wracking sitting next to one of the biggest critics in New York <laughs> eating his food when you're not watching your kitchen. Well, like, uh, <laughs> it's certainly the biggest, like, in weight terms. <laughs> I don't think I'm the biggest, biggest. Oh, uh, not one cannoli, but three. Three cannoli, cannoli not one cannolo, but three cannoli. Oh, and I see little bits of citrus there. I see. Do you have a pastry chef, or is it you? It's me. So, the cannolis growing up, one of my favorite uh, food groups. I think it's a food group. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> and um, so, anyway, we make we make the shells in house. We fry them. We make the cream. The cream is just ricotta. You guys, let me know what you what you think. So, what's the key to a great cannoli? Um, one filling it to order. You gotta fill them to order. Once you put that cream in there, you're destroying the shell, right? So, so it's the, the, t- the ticking well, time. It, yeah. Once you put it in, it's the de- uh, degenerating as it gets to the table. Is there cinnamon in the? A little bit. There? Yeah. A little bit of cinnamon in the cream. Cream um, is ricotta. Um, it's impastata, so it's like a really dry ricotta yep. with a little bit of fresh ricotta whipped with. I actually getting dried fruit from Naples. So, and I chopped that up, and then I I found the company Fine and Raw Chocolate, which is pretty amazing, and I have that chopped in there, and very little powdered sugar. A lot of my desserts, I don't like a lot of sugar. It's never been my thing. If you eat a very sweet dessert at the mm. end of the meal, my opinion, you leave very thirsty and you leave unsatisfied. So I lower the sugar content. So hopefully, that what's doesn't happen the, to you. What's the flour in the shell? Is it the same? The flour in the shell is just flour, cocoa powder, um, Prosecco. Prosecco? Yeah, a little Prosecco. Added little bubbles. Yep. So it helps them puff up. mm -hmm, Helps them puff up. So after you make it, you kind of leave them out a little bit. 
mm -hmm. and then you put them in the fryer. So they've got to be room temperature, and then they go in the fryer. Otherwise, you don't get that beautiful ugliness helps, of a canola. Helps dry them out. It helps dry them out. So the, no, the Prosecco no. actually helps dry them out, too, the alcohol. Sure. Well, it's like um, vodka and pie crust, right? Correct. Actually, mm. vodka in tempura is pretty think, amazing. Do you actually think he knows what he's talking about? He's pretty much on point. He is, actually. Yeah. This is a sad thing. <laughs> Here's the thing of beauty. The shell is beautiful, melty, crispy, crunchy, sweet, oh. sweet filling with a little crunch of chocolate. And those bits of, bits of and the cinnamon of. is what I think it's not a flavor that you expect, and it like kind of takes you home a little bit with all the fruit. I mean, right. it, that it, like it grounds it in this way. It's not overwhelming. It doesn't taste like like a latte at Starbucks or something. It's like it gives it's you a savory of, note. Right, it's but it's just—it's this nice foundation. It's this nice sort of familiar foundation that just sort of like I don't know grounds it. So what's next? There's steak or something coming? Or no, we're done. With yeah, we're whole goat. <laughs> he's on the spit. He's coming out right now. No, well, thank you guys. It's been delicious. This is thank you. This was awesome. This is cool. my favorite one yet. He got him hooked on it. No, yeah? good. That's Hux. a good one to get because like there's a lot of internet stuff. People click on all that stuff he does. Oh, <laughs> click, 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 click. Oh, that. So Platt has wandered off. Chef, thank you, as always, for your time. This is unbelievable and fantastic. Thank you. Good Pleasure. luck with everything. Congratulations. Hope to see you guys back. Oh, definitely. Uh, and that's going to do it for us. Platt's outside somewhere, wandering around, working this off. So our thanks to Andy Bowers and Laura Mayer at Panoply, as always. Our noble producer, Sam Digman, a man of leisure and class. For Adam Platt, I'm Alan Sitzma. Thanks for listening.